0: what is up ladies and gents boys and girls i'm back with another edition of the state of bitcoin podcast but first i'd like to thank everybody listening on fountain and all of those podcasting 2.0 apps please 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 leave me a boost and write me a little something and i'll read it on this show I'm, i'm really trying to get that started so i do appreciate all the stats you guys send uh, but you could send me just one set and leave a little boost, and it would mean the world to me, and I'd read it in the next uh, episode. And also, I am affiliated with Shamri. So Shamri has a lot of various different gifts. The holidays are coming up. If you want a card game to kind of teach people about Bitcoin, you want a children's book, you want some baby onesies, they got it all. So go to Shamri S-H-A-M-O-R-Y, com And at checkout, use promo code green candle for 10% off. So be sure to do that. Support Shamri, support some plebs, and support your boy. And as always, ladies and gents, I am actually in a solo episode on this one. I get into the FTX debacle, uh, the CPI print, and what that kind of means for miners. I did have a guest scheduled. Unfortunately, he had a family emergency come up. Um, And I just had Joey and Gandalf on as well, so I didn't want to overload with the chat. So I just want a little solo opinion rip here. So um, as always, it's not financial advice. Everything I say in this podcast is strictly my opinion and is never financial advice. So let's get into the episode. Whoosh. What is up? Everybody, I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But first, for those listening on Fountain 2.0 apps, or, or podcasting 2.0 apps, excuse me, like Fountain, I really do appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who streamed me sats and uh, yeah, tuned in and kind of supporting the community that way. Uh, I appreciate all the boosts, but like I said, nobody's leaving me any reviews to to talk about. They're just uh, leaving them and just supporting. So I appreciate those who are supporting. Um, And if you want to leave me a boost, feel free and I will read it on the show. But I always encourage people to listen on that app, kind of help some of these builders, creators and what have you. And uh, a little side note here too. I I am in Florida where we're in the midst of a tropical storm. So if you hear a little rain or thunder in the background i do apologize and then lastly before i get into it um i'd like to thank my affiliate shamri i've had uh the founders of shamri on my show and so if you haven't heard that go back and listen to it but i also got this nice hat from them so i appreciate that it's it's pretty sick here but if you're looking for um some gifts for the holidays the holidays are coming up whatever you celebrate Uh, Use the code GREENCANDLE at checkout and you'll get 10% off. That's Shamory S-H-A-M-O-R-Y. And uh, yeah, you can get some card games. You could get some children's onesies. You can get it all. They have a lot, a lot of cool stuff on there. So be sure to check it out and use code GREENCANDLE at checkout. That's code GREENCANDLE at checkout for 10% off. Now, did something happen this week? I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, it seems like it's a quiet week. Nothing too crazy has happened. I'm just kidding. Let's get into the whole FTX debacle. I mean, where do you even start with this? So, if you guys haven't heard anything about FTX or this whole giant scandal with Sam Bankman Fried or SBF, as I'm sure you've seen on Twitter, This guy is in some shit. He's lost, I think, $18 billion of his own net worth um, and $6 billion of the user's balance sheet is all of a sudden just gone and there's no more withdrawals. So FTX, it's a big crypto casino exchange, whatever you want to call it, that has spent an astronomical amount when it comes to marketing. And I think this was kind of the biggest red flag that I initially saw. So if you're not a sports person, FTX sponsors the MLB. They're the only crypto sponsor of the MLB, Major League Baseball. Every single one of the umpires has an an FTX logo on their shirt. So every single pitch, you see somebody in the back wearing an FTX logo. The Miami Heat... NBA National Basketball Association has their entire arena named after FTX the FTX arena down in Miami Florida obviously. Tom Brady is a huge athlete, probably the greatest quarterback of all time is uh, now or was sponsored by FTX. I don't know if he uh, if he's involved with it but he was also part of a funding round too that they funded uh, $680 million to help this company kind of get off the ground. And so it just seems like at every turn, FTX was around. And I never really knew too many people that used FTX, to be honest. honest. But it seems like that marketing budget was just unlimited money, and they were just throwing money everywhere. Um, So Sam Bankman-Fried has kind of come out and said – he didn't think Bitcoin was the future of payments. And he's kind of been shilling all these shit coins left and right um, and kind of just, you know, propping up this shit coin casino. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it failed and it's failed miserably. I believe uh, eight, six or eight billion dollars of uh, user assets had been pulled off and either moved to a different platform or into cold storage in 72 hours. And because of that, they had to stop withdrawals. Now, I'm going to be a little easy on FTX in this aspect where, you know, if any company kind of experiences this amount of withdrawals in a three-day period, they're probably going to struggle. They're probably going to have some, oh shit, what the hell just happened kind of things. But you know, they didn't have any proof of reserves. They didn't have any proof that they actually owned any of these assets. They didn't have any proof that, you know, they were being responsible with the, with their users' assets. And I think that this is the biggest, biggest red flag. And all exchanges are probably going to start doing something like this, where they show a proof of reserves. They show that they actually have these kind of, are these funds and these, uh, you know, crypto is for a lesser of a a better term. Um, But I think that could be like the beauty of a multi-sig, right? Where, you know, maybe you have somebody hold a a multi-sig, one of the however many private keys that you have. And so you can tell that, you know, these funds aren't actually being moved. Um, But I mean, how would that work? I'm not really sure the full logistics on it. Do I think that there's always going to be a space for exchanges? Yeah, probably, because some people just don't really trust themselves to hold their own keys and don't really want to take that personal responsibility. Now, as a Bitcoiner, I think that everybody should want to do that and everybody should, you know, kind of take control of it because that's the beauty of Bitcoin. But, you know, I I do think that there's a segment of that population that, you know, my mom, my dad, you know, those kind of people, a little bit older, not maybe as technologically savvy that just end up holding it, um, you know, holding Bitcoin wherever, uh, whether it's on an exchange or what. Um, Now, I think that there's still going to be these shitcoin casinos because people see the amount of money that goes into it, the amount of money that people want to make um, and the people have greed. And so that's, I also think, you know, kind of the beauty of Bitcoin where, you know, a lot of these people, they don't, you know, they they aren't in crypto for the right, you know, kind of personal sovereignty and, and that kind of stuff. They're in Bitcoin because they think they can make a quick buck and they want to see the next run up. They want to see, you know, the quote unquote next Bitcoin. I had a Twitter Spaces last night with uh, Mike Hobart and and some others that came up and, and Luke, who's going to be coming on the show here in the next couple of weeks. So shout out to those guys. But we were kind of getting into it. And, you know, it, it seems like uh, this is not going to stop. There's been a lot of big investors, been a lot of big names who have been kind of behind FTX. So what's going to happen to all those people? What is going to happen to, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world? Is he going to be brought into a lawsuit with this because he marketed it? The NFL, FTX is the biggest sponsor of the Super Bowl or one of the bigger sponsors of the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, a lot of these angel investors that invested also are invested in Coinbase and have some vested interest in there. So is something going to happen to Coinbase now next too? I mean, I think... If you haven't already and you haven't learned the lesson from, you know, the Celsiuses, the Voyagers and some of these other things. I think it's now time to really look yourself in the mirror and be like, OK, I need to take personal responsibility for all of this and uh, start to, uh, you know, take responsibility to hold your own keys. And I think that that should be the biggest lesson out of all of this. And I hope that it's going to kind of create more Bitcoiners opposed to, you know, deter people from Bitcoin because they got into this whole shitcoin casino. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think Bitcoin is still going to prosper. It doesn't need all this, but we've seen a major dip in the price. And so there's going to be some effects on the side that, you know, Sam Bankman freed, although he doesn't control Bitcoin. This whole debacle is going to hurt a lot of other things, and I've been talking about it on um, you know some of these other past shows and and where I've been, you know Twitter spaces, what have you. and I, I, have, uh, I had Jaron Melrude scheduled, but something came up, so uh, he's going to be on in, in about a month or so. So be on the lookout for that episode, and he's really good at breaking down the balance sheets of Bitcoin miners. But that is my biggest worry with all of this is that, you know, Bitcoin miners, how they profit is essentially, you know, they, they mine Bitcoin using, uh, you know, these machines that deteriorate and essentially have like a three-year three, three year shelf life. Maybe they have a little bit longer if they're maintained properly, but after that halving period, the value of some of these older miners goes down uh, significantly. And they might be mining at a loss at that point. And so, you know, after a couple years of this these miners deteriorating uh, maybe some of their contracts go, come up so how bitcoin miners kind of work is they you know work with whatever jurisdiction that they're located in or that 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 specific plant is located in and they get electricity based on x amount of cents per kilowatt hour so obviously the more energy that you use probably the better deal that you can negotiate and so they negotiate, you know, two, four cents a kilowatt hour. Um, and, you know, if we drop down to one of these, like, you know, maybe 10K per Bitcoin, that could be significantly detrimental to a lot of Bitcoin miners. Uh, I had Ben Gagnon on the show, and I think at that time there was like 50 public publicly traded Bitcoin miners. Um, we've already seen a couple of those go bankrupt since that time. Um, so... You know, with that, uh, maybe some contracts coming up, a depressed Bitcoin price. A lot of these Bitcoin mining companies are already struggling. And this might be the the final kick off the ledge here. And I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping I'm completely wrong. And, and a lot of these uh, are kind of more focused on, or uh, you know, more primed and have uh, better, I guess, a better strength of their balance sheet. Um, but, you know, I think the ones that survive and make it out of here are going to be significantly, significantly better suited for, you know, a lot of these uh, for the next bear market. Um, You know, it seemed like everybody kind of got excited during the last bull run where essentially people were just kind of FOMOing in, jumping in at 60K, you know, leveraging Machines leveraging the Bitcoin that they had at 60k because this thing's going to the moon, all this and that. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, bull markets should be there to help prepare you for bear markets. And so now's the time. Now's when uh, you know those people were kind of coming in and you saw their stock price ri- rise and you know kind of go back and forth and and uh, you know at the end of the day. It's, it's hurting a lot of these Bitcoin miners. So, um, you know, there's going to be tough effects on, on Bitcoin miners and on overall on exchanges. I think the narrative around exchanges now is not great. Um, and uh, people are going to just kind of continually pull off their assets off of exchanges, which is good. But for those companies and those, you know, thousands of people employed by a lot of these companies, you know, Are they going to be able to survive like pulling off all the this and that? And um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really think that that's going to happen. But, you know, um, you have to find a company that whose business model basically isn't leveraging their users assets, which they shouldn't be doing it anyway. And another interesting tidbit of this story is Binance had offered to buy and kind of bail out FTX. Binance is one of the biggest global exchanges. Um, CZ Binance, uh, or CZ, the founder of Binance, and SBF, the founder Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of FTX, uh, kind of were going back and forth on Twitter over the weekend. And CZ kind of pointed out, hey, like there's going to be some issues here with FTX. And FTX or and, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was essentially like, hey, calm it down here, calm it down here. But, you know, Obviously, uh, I, I've tweeted it out and I've said it a few times when there's smoke in this industry, in the crypto industry or whatever, there's definitely fire. When somebody kind of sniffs around and you kind of hear some rumblings and some rumors going on about, you know, there's a big, big, uh, you know, issue. I, I, uh, you know, kind of start to panic and get your uh, uh, get your digital assets off that exchange. Obviously, you know, I'm Bitcoin, Bitcoin only guy. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, we should try to hold your own keys and kind of get away from that, uh, putting them on exchanges and all this and that. But, um, you know, if you do have them on there and you kind of hear some rumblings of some issues, that's when you should kind of feel or take the big red flag. So, you know, obviously CZ, he tweeted at that. And then Sam bankman fried tried to say, hey, there's nothing wrong here. And obviously you guys have all seen there's something wrong. And then Binance offered to buy out uh, or kind of bail out uh, FTX. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, They said there's a due diligence period before they did it. Right. So they gave them 24 hours. They went through, they were looking for something specific, but they didn't necessarily say what they were looking for. Now, and it seems like whatever they were looking for they found it and it seems like there was a big big hole in their balance sheet and uh, yeah I mean it's kind of uh, interesting I mean binance why would they why would they ever bail out FTX if you kind of think about it binance is maybe the biggest exchange uh, globally and FTX is like second so with that being said, why would they bail out their number two, com- their their biggest competitor? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and SBF kind of came out and said, well, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, they would, uh, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that Binance was ever planning on buying or, you know, helping out uh, FTX. And it's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Like, are, are you really surprised? But, you know, at the end of the day, it seems like FTX is in some shit. The SEC is going to investigate um, is going to investigate uh, FTX and we're seeing a shit ton kind of getting pulled off of platform. Uh, Coinbeast media tweeted out yesterday that they saw over 40,000 uh, Bitcoin removed from, uh, from Coinbase yesterday. So shout out to um, coinbase our Coinbeast media. And, uh, you know, we also saw somebody else kind of tweet out some potential rumors, too, that, uh, you know, there's, they've done some forensic, uh, forensic. I don't even know how to word this, crypto forensics, whatever, um, blockchain forensics analysis on both by, or on both FTX and Coinbase. And it seems like there could be a hole in Coinbase from anywhere from 10 to 20 billion. Now, um, that tweet has been from a suspended account now. So I don't know where that has gone. And that is kind of interesting that, you know, this is now from a suspended account. So who knows? if they're being, you know, if that's truthful or not. Um, but that is some rumor kind of going around. So, um, you know, there's a lot of elements to this story that people aren't really taking into account. It's also the investors. We have the list of investors right here. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones, obviously, is is BlackRock. So, of course, you know, BlackRock's kind of involved with them. Um, we're seeing some, some other things. Uh, oh, no, let's see... Um, yeah, there, there also is some potential overlap with, uh, you know, some of these other crypto exchanges as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it is interesting that uh, it's BlackRock, the Ontario Pension Fund, Sequoia, Paradigm, Tiger Global, SoftBank, Circle, Rabbit, Allen Howard, Multicon, VanEck, and Temasek. So some of those definitely overlap with, you know, a lot of these uh, other crypto exchanges so um i think there could be some more some more uh issues kind of coming up but you know one other big 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 element to all this is that sam bankman free donated quite a bit of money to one party in particular that did uh, a little bit better than, uh, anticipated in the midterm primaries. So, you know, I know that, you know, maybe not, not all money is clean and politicians have kind of taken some money from, from people here and there, but, you know, it's, it seems like this money had all been kind of fraud frauded or uh, obtained via fraud, I guess is a better term here. Uh, and, uh, know a lot of these politicians accepted it so i wonder if this news would have come out a few weeks earlier um and people would have kind of started digging to what campaigns started to accept money from sam bankman freed if the results would have been a little bit different but uh yeah i mean it seems like the there's a political aspect of this not only with you know, we got exchange companies, we got angel investors and, you know, celebrities kind of endorsing this product. Then we have Bitcoin miners who are going to be affected because, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried just essentially kind of tanked the whole market with this news. And then lastly, we have politicians, politicians who are, you know, accepting money from this and it's seemingly that that they got it from fraud. So you know, what all is going to happen from all this? I have no idea. I, I just want to tune in and figure it out um, and kind of keep my eye towards this. But, um, you know, we're, we're not really sure what jurisdiction this is all going to take place in. Um, there's going to be an element where uh, it is, a, I believe it's a Bahamas uh, located company. So is that going to happen in that dur- jurisdiction, even though they operate in like the United States and Europe and in other places? You know where is all of this going to go? I'm not really sure. It's definitely been the biggest story of you know Bitcoin, Twitter, and what have you um, for the at least the past like couple days. So I, I look forward to kind of continue. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's the never-ending saga of of this bear market. Uh, people are kind of coming at. Companies left and right, and uh, you know, rightfully so. A lot of these companies have mismanaged uh, what they are, <clears throat> what they are doing, and so, yeah. I hope to continue to see, um, you know, things come out about this, and I hope that people. This just encourages people kind of to get their money off of exchanges. So I'm gonna take a real sip of my coffee real quick, real here. And uh, get into the next story. We're going to get into this latest CPI print. So one quick second. Okay. So, you know, it seems like everybody here in the U.S. has been tuned in to the CPI prints monthly every single month. It seems like it's been a big point of discussion. There's a bunch of Twitter spaces that are always going on, all this and that. But this one, surprisingly, was actually not as bad as anticipated. But, I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, there's an expected value that comes from somewhere. People just kind of, you know, look at some various factors and give an expected number and then if the number is below expected it is you know uh, there's there seems to be a dramatic shoot up in the market well this expected number was 7.9 percent so you know 7.9 percent inflation year over year still a dramatic amount and it came in And the month of, what is it, October uh, at 7.7%. But, you know, obviously, there's some alarming statistics here of uh, things that, uh, you know, shot up still by dramatic amounts and uh, are probably higher than that 7 point whatever or uh, 7.7%. Obviously, the largest one is fuel and oil. That is up. 68.5% year over year, piped gas up 20% year over year, food, food at home. I don't know how they measure this compared to just normal food, but food at home up 12.4% food away from home, uh, up 8.6% energy commodities up 19%. Um, but, uh, new vehicles still up 8.4%. Used cars only up 2%, so maybe we're seeing the used car market kind of go down, uh, but transportation services up 15.2%. So if you have to travel anywhere for work and you eat lunch away from home, even if you cook lunch at home and you meal prep, that those costs have gone up You know, between 12 and 17% just to get to the office and go and, and work and earn a living and as this whole work from home policy is kind of you know i would say kind of shifting away you know we saw elon uh and that policy at twitter we're probably going to see more of these tech companies kind of end that policy um depending on your job job title and and what have you uh but it seems like you know it's just going to keep getting more and more expensive for people and for consumers uh, so, I mean, you know, we've seen Bitcoin kind of go to steady hands and uh, a lot of these steady hands kind of continue to hold Bitcoin. And I look for that to continue and people to kind of scoop up. But, I mean, we we do see a lot of like in, uh, industry level uh, people kind of, you know, uh, industry level people kind of continue to... Um, I guess sell and try to time the market, and when bad news like this happens, um, you know it's it's not great, obviously. So um, we also saw, uh, you know, Luke um, tweet out yesterday that uh, a lot of these people are kind of taking Bitcoin off of exchanges. So as Bitcoin was dipping below sixteen k, eight hundred thousand Bitcoin had been taken off exchanges in the past twenty four months that means only 35% of the available for uh, available supply is now gone so 65 of that total percent in the past 24 months that's been mined and on exchanges is now gone so you know with this projection you know luke says that there might not be any bitcoin for sale in 2027 now i do think that there's always going to be some kind of room for exchange but you know is there going to is it going to be paper bitcoin is it going to be actual bitcoin I don't really know. I mean, I have brought this up a couple of times on the show that this is an element that we should definitely be on the lookout for. Is like how much is being issued that is paper Bitcoin, because, you know, with with what we're seeing in all this inflation, people are kind of trying to find a new savings technology um, or a new way to save. Um, So it is kind of interesting and something to look out for. Inflation is still running rampant. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. People understand people are feeling it. And uh, politicians just keep trying to undermine this whole inflation aspect of what is going on here. And I think, you know, the general population is waking up. But, you know, at the end of the day, these midterm election uh, kind of results almost make me think that maybe people aren't waking up to it. Maybe there's a segment of this population that, you know, doesn't think it's all that bad. And because of that, you know, they're voting in these people and these politicians that aren't really going to do anything and look out for the best interest for the American people, at least in my opinion. And so, you know, it is kind of a uh, difficult to, to see now. I, if you were to ask me this like two days ago before the results came in, I would have been all gung ho and, uh, Figuring that, you know, everybody out there would is ready and kind of sick of everything that's going on and sick of these inflation numbers. And, you know, it seems like people are kind of jumping for joy right now because it's, uh, you know, kicking the, the can down the road, moving the needle, whatever, raising the bar up to get under it, that kind of thing where, you know, at the end of the day, 7.7% is still extremely high. There's a 2% target pre-COVID. Now we're going to probably see that target go up to like a 4%. So everybody's going to be anticipating a 4% inflation rate. And then what changes from there? Right. I mean, we have a 4% inflation rate, which is the new quote unquote target for the Fed. And then, you know, right now, and at least in uh, the U.S., the uh, wage expected wage growth every year for the average person is, you know, that 3% number because, know, people are—you uh, know—they want to "quote unquote" beat inflation. I'm more valuable one year down the road, so I want to see my wage grow, you know, as well. Um, but you know, with this new projected inflation number uh, or new projected number of four percent, are people going to be vouching for a four-five percent, you know, wage increase? And then, how does that affect these companies? You know, we're already seeing companies kind of grow uh, our companies raise minimum wage because of some new policies. So, you know, we're seeing minimum wage go from seven twenty five in the U S but granted it's not the same everywhere to probably close to $15. Um, and then we're going to see people probably demanding some more raises of up to 15% or not 15, 5% as you know, more and more of these uh, you know, people, Um, are kind of aware of this inflation number at 4%. And then what is that going to do? It's going to make the uh, barrier to entry for small businesses increase dramatically. Now, right now, we don't really have uh, easy access to capital that we had in the past couple years. So, you know, with the Fed tightening and increasing their interest rates, that means access to capital is down because access to capital is down you know, small businesses don't have as easy of a time to get loans, people are going to be demanding more money to work. And uh, quite frankly, they're, they're less productive, they want to work at home, they want to take more vacation, they want to do all this and that. And so productivity is going down, and uh, wages are going up. And that kind of started with this whole, you know, tech kind of boom. And yeah, uh, you know, I I'd be remiss to say that I, I hope that small businesses kind of survive throughout this, but I'm not as optimistic because who can afford to pay these guys, these elevated wages, right? It can be the Amazons. It'll be the Apples. It'll be some of these bigger guys, the targets. Um, You know, if you kind of look around and see when this $15 an hour wage policy started, and what companies were announcing that they're already offering it, it was Walmart, it was Target, it was Amazon, it was some of these bigger guys who could afford to do that. So, hey, come work for us. And these, uh, you know, small businesses who work for less, you know, they, they can't afford to pay these people. So there's poaching all their workers. These people are, you know, uh, everything's going up in price, all the products and services because gas is going up and going through the roof. That, you know, they just essentially couldn't afford to compete with some of those wages. And so people weren't working for them. And so it's making it a lot harder to start a small business. And what does that do? It encourages bigger, bigger players and encourages bigger monopolies. And it really just discourages that that American dream of that people have and uh, to, you know, start your own business and kind of do that. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of people kind of flock away from America because of that now granted i think the fed tightening these policies is going to make it you know better overall for the american economy but i'm still really really worried about small businesses so you know i've had phil gibson writing for me for a little bit so shout out to phil at mr sue uh but his big theory which i'm you know i'm coming around on and I, and i do agree with is that the fed raising interest rates is to uh, weaken the offshore dollar market. So the United States' biggest export at this point is dollars, and that is not not good. Um, but you know, by raising the uh, interest rates, they are, you know, at the end of the day, weakening the offshore dollar market. So what does that do? It strengthens strengthens the dollar compared to other fiat currencies, whether it's the euro or yen or or whatever. And so because it's doing that. It is strengthening the U.S. economy and uh, relative to everybody else. So while everything is kind of bleeding and not doing well, the United States is best best suited to do a little bit better than the average player. Now, is that good? Maybe not in the short term because right now we're in a more of like a global based economy. But in the long term, it's definitely better. We need to bring more of this manufacturing and uh, some more things to the U.S. And a lot of these, uh, you know, policies that have been put in place are not really helping the U.S. prosper. And so I think at the end of the day, I'm looking for the dollar to strengthen relative to other fiat currencies, Bitcoin to kind of hold steady and uh you know, CPI to kind of keep continuing to go down. Have we reached a peak yet? I don't know. There could be another, um, you know, print or something like that. I mean, we're sending troops to the Ukraine right now. Um, so if that war kind of continues, there's that element of a potential, you know, a, a cold war, a long drawn out war that, you know, it's not going to be, um, uh, you know, wars cost a lot of money if you've seen the movie war dogs, you know what I'm talking about. Right. So, um, I I don't know, man, I am just not super optimistic. I think, uh, you know, I'll be looking at this corn price pretty closely as I normally don't. I normally just like kind of stack and and uh, forget about it. But I'm going to be looking at it very, very closely in the next, uh, you know, few days because of, you know, that theory that I have about these Bitcoin miners. So, um, you know, if you made it this far with me, I appreciate you listening. Uh, go like and subscribe to the YouTube channel and wherever you get podcasts and help the show grow. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. Keep passing this around. I got some great guests lined up for you that have been kind of sick and have had some family emergencies. So um, I've been getting some fillers here and there. So I shout out to Joey and Gandalf for jumping in last minute. Uh, but, you know, like and subscribe, share, share, share. And I will see you guys all next week. And with that, I'm out.